There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. This is the road <laughs> to infinity. Welcome to the Road to Infinity podcast. We're here to talk about Captain Marvel. Uh, that, of course, was uh, Elastic. That was Elastica's connection. One of my favorite songs. I could just leave that song running, but I know that I, I shouldn't because uh, we have other things we want to talk about. Uh, so, joining me today is the biggest Captain Marvel fan that I know, Shannon Jelly. Hello. Hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I knew like a year ago when they announced this. I know. When they, a year ago when they announced this, I was like, I know who exactly I need to have on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Only person who's as big a Carol fan as I am. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll get into the actual movie stuff too, but uh, first I want to talk a little bit about the comic book stuff because her comic book origin is very complicated <laughs> and, and way different from the movie. Not, not necessarily good or bad, just just way different. Uh, I, we could do a whole hour just on, on Carol's adventures. Oh my gosh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll just try to keep the high points. So... Um, before we talk about this Captain Marvel, we have to talk about the previous Captain Marvel. So in, in the original comic books, it was a, a dude, of course, because yeah. that's what most of the things were, uh, Marvel, And the the story is very similar in terms of like he was a, he was Cree, he was it was from here, he had all this stuff. And then the accident that happened was very similar to what happens in the movie. Uh, and she, Carol, uh, being already a soldier, so she already was colonel she was so when we meet her in the comics in the original captain marvel comics mm-hmm. she's introduced as head of security at a um air force base that's it's a nasa base but it also has some shield involvement and so she's head of security um she put herself through college joins the air force was a pilot and then um, moved up through the ranks. So, in fact, when you meet her and she's still only human, she, like, already outranks Captain America. So she was pretty <laughs> – I liked that about her character just when she was first introduced as a human because she was already someone who I felt mm-hmm. like had proven her worth in a lot of ways. So, yeah, so she's head of security. And- mm-hmm. Yeah, with a lot of the Marvel female characters, even like even like Pepper Potts and, and that kind of stuff, who are are very well represented in the in the movies. Um, in the comic books, they are not as well done. They are they are very much the secretary, the girlfriend, all this stuff. But Carol was not like right from the time she was introduced. She was very straight, straight edge, hard nosed. Like she was she was ready to kick some butt. Yes. Um, and then with and very no nonsense, yes. which I also liked about her. Very no nonsense. Very like. Let's get to the point. If there's a problem to solve, let's solve it. And 
don't give me any BS along the way kind of a character. Yeah, and so Captain Marvel was sort of the guy, um, like uh, in the in the Marvel universe, he was one of the the sort of the top heroes and stuff too. And so then, I think comic book wise, uh, they probably went like, oh, She Hulk worked off of Hulk. Why not a another Marvel after Captain Marvel? So she had her experience. Should be she became Miss Marvel uh, when she had the experiment yeah. and got the same kind of power, same energy manipulation. But a lot of times it was just flight, shooting lasers. That's a lot of times the the, the default set of powers they would give them. Uh, over time, those powers evolved and, and they became much more uh, much more interesting and they, they did a lot of stuff with her. And then she has had a lot of different identities or names across the way. So for a while there, she was binary. I think that's when she got infected with, not infected, but I guess uh, imbued with power cosmic. And that came, that came like a while into some of her arcs. She, um, so yeah, so there's an accident at the base. She goes to like see what's going on. The original Captain Marvel's fighting a Skrull. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an energy transfer like the movie and mm-hmm. she doesn't realize that she's absorbed his powers. When the first issues of Ms. Marvel hit comic book stands, she has PTSD. She's dealing with blackouts and she relocates to New York. She works at the Daily Bugle, um, which mm-hmm. yes, is the same place that Peter Parker works. Um, oh, sure. cause Marvel was really good in their comics at like already having characters like, overlap in certain ways Um, they were already really good at having a shared universe just even in the comics and there's a great scene where she's telling jameson the guy who runs the daily bugle he just wants her to write like fluffy little lady articles about cooking and redecorating stuff and she's like listen you're not just gonna lady me around and be like lady do this lady do that like i'm here to write serious articles and the first story that she pursues is there's this mysterious heroine who keeps showing up around New York City saving the day, and she has no idea that that's her. Every time that, like, danger comes upon her, she, yeah. like, senses it and transforms and then has, like, no memory of the event after. And then once she figures out that it's her, she can't figure out how to knowingly activate her powers or save the day. So she has to kind of figure that out. And I liked, jumping ahead a tiny bit to the movie, I liked that they kept that memory loss and figuring mm-hmm. out who you are part of her character even though they switched it up because in the yeah. comics it was more the human trying to figure out to be the superhero side of things and in this it was the superhero figuring out the human side which i still thought was kind of cool so anyway so she's ms marvel she goes through a few different costume changes um and she also she spends time in her solo mm-hmm. comic book arts she spends time with the avengers yeah and then she um did mm-hmm. stuff with x-men yep. she was west coast avengers for a while after a particularly really not good battle with rogue mm-hmm. she loses her powers and so <laughs> she ends up spending time back between like shield and the air force and she ends up going out doing a mission space and ends up again because if i'm remembering correctly it's gamma radiation i know the first time it was gamma radiation had to do with the power transfer gamma radiation was like the oprah of superpowers like it was, <laughs> it was. It was like, oh, yeah. like no, you're right you're absolutely right you get a superpower like it was the hulk it was fantastic uh-huh. it was everybody's yeah. powers via gamma radiation mm-hmm. um, but anyway so she gets superpowers again and this time she becomes binary where Mm -hmm. um, she takes that name because she basically has the energy of like a binary solar system. And it's just like, it's insane. Because comics, everyone. (laughs) 
right? Because comics, like even I didn't love the binary years because I was like, okay, this is just getting ridiculous. But but anyway, she comes back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Things change a little bit again because comics, and they're all reinventing. And then um, her comics ended for a while, and they came back in the two thousands. She was Warbird in there at some point, right? Yes. So Warbird was Carol Danvers from an alternate timeline. Um, one of the things that she struggled with, and this is something else that I think Marvel Comics did well without ever turning it into like a cheesy PSA, but mm-hmm. Carol, like other characters, including um, Tony Stark, had struggles with um, alcoholism, and mm-hmm. um, Warbird was a Carol from a different version of Earth who realized the alcoholic had a bunch of issues and ends up deciding, okay, the only way to solve all of my problems is to go to like every other dimension and kill every other universe and rogue. And just like, that's how I'll fix it by killing myself basically. And so that was the Warbird version of Carol Danvers. But when she became Captain Marvel um, years later, it was with a new costume, so we got rid of the, like, swimsuit-looking stuff, and her costume was more like... I say, and, and you can speak on some authority on this as someone who's actually worn that costume. I have worn it. I have worn that cosplay. Um, let me just say it gets a little cheeky. Um, uh-huh. so it, you know, <laughs> it helps to have very trusted friends to help remind you to stay covered. And that's even buying a leotard. With, like, decent coverage. There are some (laughs) who, and this is their own choice, but there are some who wear Mm -hmm. that costume and do it more like, who was the artist? Mike Choi? Where it's like, that's not just cheeky. That's, like, getting a little graphic for my taste. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I do like the new costume better because Mm -hmm. I liked, so I liked the Ms. Marvel years of the black Mm -hmm. leotard look just because she kind of stepped away from the Captain Marvel look. It was sort of her, it was a representation of her creating her own self instead of just being a reflection of Marvel. And I yes. liked that about her. Um, and again, all of her costumes prior to that were just as revealing. So at that point <laughs> in the comics, it's not like she got less dressed in any sense. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> So yeah, so I have worn that cosplay. It's it, like I said, and it's good when you're in certain costumes um, to have people remind you if you need to like recover certain areas. And tape is also very helpful. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I was a uh, as as most people who were reading comics in the late '80s. If you were reading comics in the late '80s, you were reading Chris Claremont's yeah. X Men, and that's where I was. Um, and so that's I, I came to know Captain Marvel from Rogue because Rogue, who played by Anna Paquin in the in the movies, if you want a, a context of of uh, X Men movies, um, she had a battle with Captain Marvel and took her powers because that's what Rogue does. But because there was there was a, a thing they set up that if she kept contact for longer than a certain amount of time she wouldn't just borrow the powers she would take them i think that was one of the first times she learned that so she actually stole captain marvel's right. powers and kept them so for like when i when i watched the the movies with rogue she's just sort of the the power thief but i'm like okay well the rogue i knew was flying around punching through walls and just because she had taken carol's powers and kept them in addition right. to her her power siphon abilities too and, and left carol as a as a normal human again like, like you were saying in your uh, in your biography there of her um so yeah it wasn't so when 
when she when her powers came back, that's sort of when I started reading Captain yeah. Marvel and then uh, Miss Marvel at the time, and then sort of went back and, and found out what her origin was because I had not heard of her until she had her big battle with her. And that was when a lot of people found out about her. Chris Claremont had been involved with her comics from the get go, um, and he actually brought her back through X Men because. And I don't remember, I'd have to Google it, who the writer was at the time. But when she was part of the Avengers comics, um, there was a story arc that I think mm-hmm. now most people would just like utterly cringe at. But there was a storyline where she's with the Avengers. <laughs> she finds herself pregnant, has no idea like how she's pregnant. Mm. And weirdly... All the Avengers are just like, Carol, we're so happy for you. You're having a baby. And she's like, yeah, I guess this is nice. I don't know what's going on. So anyway, she has the baby who within like, I don't know, I want to say a week is actually like fully grown and is apparently an interdimensional being um, who basically like, self-impregnated Carol like it's yeah it was really really weird so and then decides okay well I'm gonna take you to this other dimension now and we're gonna get married and like she's like okay I guess and again all the Avengers are like sure yeah go off with this yeah like be happy and so anyway so this interdimensional being Marcus like whisks her off to this other dimension at which point this like mind control that he had over her and over the Avengers just like totally dissipates. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, what is going on? Like, none of this is okay. And like I said, people today, I think if Marvel tried printing that storyline would be like, we have some serious issues about the perception of consent here. Cause this is not like, okay. Yeah. Um, and Chris Claire, and she was sort of like written out of Avengers that way. Um, Chris Claremont then brought her back through X-Men and it's only with like Professor Xavier who um, helps her restore her memory. Her coming back from that other dimension messed up her mm-hmm. brain. Although you'd think her brain would be messed up from having to marry her own child, which was, and um, Chris Claremont, who was writing it, uh, writing X-Men at the time, it was his way of bringing her back. And there's a scene where um, the Avengers come, like the Avengers here, she's back and they come to check on her at, was it the X-Men mansion? I'm like, feeling it. Um, but they come to check on her and she basically just like lacquers the heck out of them for being like, how did you guys not see that something was wrong with like all of this? <laughs> and it was like a way of just like personally ripping apart that storyline because he thought it was BS and it's a great way for the character to stand up for herself. But it was Chris Claremont really into her as a character and he really really hated that storyline because he's like she was written to be a strong woman that like young girls could look up to and turn into a mind-controlled mom like this is not not that being a mom is bad like I, being a mom is fine but but yeah, claremont was really unhappy with that storyline and so were a lot of fans and it's like it just and again today i can't see anybody touching a storyline similar to that no, and thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was in the, in the sort of the early around 20, 2010, 2012 or so that her comic, this Marvel comic, had ended. And now actually, the her, the last comic that that she she had, the Miss Marvel, was was really good. I actually, still like of I had purged a bunch of my comics, but like I kept mm-hmm. those ones because there's there's some really good yeah. stuff in there. Uh, and then uh, when Kelly Sue DeConnick and Jane McKelvey, they got a chance to like sort of 
not I say reboot, but just sort of revamp the character for yeah. now. Uh, then that's when she decided that you know the Captain Marvel title has been used by many people over the years, uh, including uh, Monica Rambeau, which is we yes. put a little uh, nod to that uh, in this movie. Which so I was like, I was like, oh, that's going to pay off. Right? I really hope it um, does. <laughs> uh that so uh they had to, and so it's she's not the first one so she finally felt like she was worthy enough to carry that title of of her her, her mentor her yeah. friend who had died uh oddly enough of cancer that was a big thing in the 80s he like he he just died sort of of natural yeah. causes not like a super battle where he's to another dimension or whatever um so she decided to do that and then she passed the miss marvel name on yeah. to uh kamala Kamala Khan. Uh, so now she is Miss Marvel. So there is a Miss Marvel, but it becomes a generational thing, which I think was a brilliant stroke of luck. Yeah. I mean, a brilliant stroke of writing. Um, and so then that, that's this is that's the Carol that we have now, and that's the Carol that they sort of based on the comics. So much so that that uh, in a in a move, I don't, I cannot remember in any of the MCU. Well, I can think of one exception. Um, they uh, they actually had a cameo of the writer. They almost never do this when they're when when Carol in the movie is walking through the uh, subway station trying to find the thing. Uh-huh. Kelly Sue DeConnick walks past her. It was amazing. I went, oh my, oh my god, <laughs> that is so cool because it's like I mean, obviously, we'll we'll talk about Stan, but Stan is is, is grandfather of all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, but um, actually, the having that and, and uh, when they had uh, uh, Ed Brubaker who is responsible for uh, bringing, bringing Bucky back and making Winter Soldier, he also has a cameo uh, in Winter Soldier. Um, but it's very, very rare that they actually acknowledge a, an author so much so that they right. actually will give them screen time. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, like, and that shows how much they know they are indebted to her for um, this version of Carol that now is... is I think Kelly Sue DeConnick did an amazing... Job. I'm I'm one of those who, when I have something I love in like the original source material, even if parts of it are problematic through today's lens, and I think we could say that about a lot of comic book mm-hmm. characters, especially comic book women, not just Carol Danvers, but um, oh yes, I, even with that lens, I'll still be like, no, this is my precious. You don't touch it. You don't make changes. And I really, really like what Kelly Sudaconic did because she kept the things about Carol that are like core to her character there while making some updates that I thought were necessary. And a lot Mm -hmm. of um, the story arcs that Deconic used, even though they are somewhat different, tied into the movie and worked so well with the movie. And I think... Um, if they hadn't made those updates, I don't know that the movie would have worked in the nineties. I almost feel like they would have had to go back to the seventies to still have her be such a strong feminist in kind of a world ruled by men. And again, that was part of what Chris Claremont did with her character when she first came out. It was this woman that refused to be treated like less because she was a woman both before and after she had her superpowers and not saying in any way that women don't still deal with issues, whether it's in the workplace um, or anything like that, but it's certainly not as bad as it was in the seventies. And so it was like, okay, how are they going to put this in the nineties and make it Mm. feel the same? And, but it was something that DeConnick was using even in 2012, 2014, 
and making work for modern times and still reflecting mm-hmm. some of those issues that do matter a lot on the big screen too. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So then let's transition then to the movie. So uh, you were a big fan of that particular run and of the character, uh, just in a broad sense. Uh, how do you think that it translated into the MCU? I mean, obviously we, it can't be everything. can't be the same, but right. um, did you feel it was the same Carol that you had been following in comics now showing up in here in the way that, you know, people go, oh, that's Captain America. Oh, that's Iron Man. Yes, 100%. I've seen, I've already right. seen the movie twice. I okay. cried during parts of it both times. <laughs> um, and I, I went into it, I, I wrote a post on my blog about it. And like part of how I started my post was like, I went into the theater knowing I'm either going to cry because I'm really happy with it or mm-hmm. I'm going to cry because I want to like light my ticket on fire when I walk out of the theater <laughs> And, How could you screw this up? Right? Like, <laughs> like you had good source material, guys. What do you do with it? Um, but no, I thought it was fantastic. In fact, I I loved the fact that with her origin story in the comics, she's not a billionaire with a suit like Tony Stark. She doesn't volunteer mm-hmm. for a program like Iron Man. Um, she's not choosing to mess with science like the Hulk, you know, and she didn't get like mm-hmm. special ops training like Black Widow. Like she's mm-hmm. someone who is she's a normal human, but she's very, very driven and she always wants to do the right thing. And that was something that I was like, that's the one part of her they cannot change if they want to get Carol Danvers right. They can't change that about her personality and her her attitude as someone who just refuses to quit even at her own personal expense or at her own sacrifice. And so when she, there's a, there's a quote actually from, from Kelly Sue, that is one of my, one of my favorites. And I have to censor a little bit because we are a PG podcast, but uh, she says uh, in describing the character, Carol falls down all the time, but she always gets back up. We say that about Captain America as well, but Captain America gets back up because it's the right thing to do. Carol gets back up because F you. Yes. And I love that quote of hers. That nails it. Yes. And so, and when she gets her powers in the comic, it is strictly an accident that the explosion and the radiation and the transfer happened, but she was still there, you know, sort of in the right place at the right time because she saw something happening literally with powers that be that she as a human had no way of defeating on her own like but she still literally Mm -hmm. rushed in wanting to do anything she could possibly do to shift the balance basically and let you know good prevail and all that stuff and in the movie she literally chooses to you know fire a weapon at this incredible engine to keep it from falling into enemy hands and it's like it's still an accident Mm -hmm. that the transfer happens but it only happened because she put herself on the line and she was literally willing to die to protect something so that others might not be harmed. And it's like, that's her right there. Like, like that is mm-hmm. my Carol who is going to do the right thing, even if it costs her her life. And that's what she assumed she was doing. And I was like, that was yes, by the way, one of the parts of the movie where I cried. Um, especially because I remembered reading a couple different articles where both directors had said, well, we're making some changes to Carol's origin story. And I was like, don't you dare. Don't you dare change it because if it's something, because I didn't want her powers to be something 
she chose to have. Like, again, that's what I felt like really ah. set her apart from other superheroes, especially the Avengers, which everybody is going to see her with. And like every other Avenger in some form or another mm-hmm. chose to have the powers that they have. And she didn't choose it. She only got them by laying herself on the line and they kept that there. So I was like, I'm, I'm sitting there and I kid you not, I'm holding my Captain Marvel Build-A-Bear because I had to buy it as soon as it came out. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm literally crying like into my popcorn when she stands up and she's holding the gun and she's like, you mean this engine? And just pulls the trigger and I'm like, yes. It, it, was, it was embarrassing. Um, I definitely made sure to wear my, like waterproof mascara when I went to school. <laughs> One of the things I also loved about about Carol in the comic books that they did a nice job in this one is she is very much based on her relationships yeah. and her relationships with women especially. So in the comic book, she's part of a little – they're not really a, a, a club or anything, but uh, her and, and, and Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew and uh, Jessica Jones, and like there's, and there's a, just a couple of, of women who are just friends. Like they don't – they don't have a team name. They think they just like get together and drink and have fun and stuff too. And so in this, they they do that with um, well, I guess it's not Monica. What's it's oh Maria Rambo. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get to see. Well, I, I actually wish I had more of that. But uh, so her and Maria, we get to see a little bit of their friendship and how important it is, and and like sort of what a what a touchstone of her life that is and also and and her with uh young monica as well like you know her relating to her her friend's daughter as well um some real good uh, female friendship stuff that we don't get to see in a lot of these movies because especially in marvel movies i love them but a little light on women and especially women talking to other women i mean they're they're not horrible but i think they could do like it's one area i think they could do better but i think all comic book movies could do better than that that's not a marvel yes yeah, that's, yeah, it's not just a Marvel thing, right? <laughs> and again, another part of the movie where I cried. I won't, I won't like try and like cover it up. But when it's later in the movie, when they've talked with the scrolls and they're trying to figure stuff out, and mm-hmm. you know they're trying to convince her basically to join her cause, and they're you know, and Talos is like, "Look, the Krees have both cost us everything. Let's do this together." And she's like, "You don't know me. I don't even know me." And Maria, like her best friend who she went through, you know, so much training and everything with is like, and I'm going to paraphrase, I'm not going to get the line right, but she's like, I know who you are. Okay, you are my best friend. You're the person who has done this, this and this. And you are basically the strongest person I know, even before you could shoot photon blasts out of your hands. And I was like, yes, like that is what we need. Because again, Carol Danvers didn't just become a strong superhero because of powers. Like she always had those heroic tendencies Mm -hmm. of pushing herself. And that's jumping a little bit back to, you know, us talking about Deconic, the fact that her, Mm -hmm. her reintroduction in comics was with the title higher, further, faster, more, like that's who Carol Danvers is. Like if she's in a plane, she's going to fly it higher, further, faster. She's going to try and do more than anybody she's around. She's an absolute, uh, can I say badass? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that went a little cross. Okay. You know, but she's an absolute badass overachiever. And it's like, mm-hmm. and again, that she's, she's the same way in her, relationships like Mm -hmm. if she is someone who you are friends with she has got your back no matter what to the 
ends of the earth or in some cases to the ends of the universe. And it's, you know, unless, and this will bring it to one of my favorite things in the movie, unless you tell her that her cat is a flarkin. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into Goose too. Before we, before we move off this point though, um, that, that scene is is specially well written. Like that that was one of the things that stood out to me because like I have I have a thing. There's a couple of because I've seen all of these Superman movies. There's a couple of scenes that come up on almost every one of these, especially origin stories, that always make the hair of my arms go off because I'm like, oh god, here we go again. And and I'll tell you the, who did it recently and did it badly was Aquaman because there, Aquaman has its own stuff. I mean, obviously, you could do a whole a whole thing just talking about that. But there's one scene that just drove me insane because they seem to want to put this movie in every single superhero things that movie that aren't very good, and it's the scene where the female lead has to tell the male lead that he's great he's awesome he can do everything and aquaman happens on the fishing boat they're like they, they like aquaman's just fought black manta and he's all beat up and then like and sort of like doubting himself and the female lead has to like okay i've been through my own stuff but let's put all that aside and say you know what you can do it buck up champ you're the man you're yeah. the guy you can do this i mean the the worst example i could i could think of in terms of scale would be Star Wars, where <laughs> Princess Leia Organa has seen her entire planet destroyed, but Luke lost the old man who was with him for a couple right. of days. <laughs> and so this is that yeah. moment. And they nailed it because it starts going on. I'm like, I'm like, okay. I mean, it is two women talking, you know, basically like, you know, supporting each other, which is great. But I'm like, here we go again. But then in the middle of the thing, it pivots. And it's not like Michael Champ, it's just like, uh, get off your butt! Like you're the one. Like, like you're gonna be the one to take care of this. It, it. They have a nice turn in that one where I sort of like said, "What? Oh, hey!" <laughs> it's like they knew this moment would be there, and they decided to play it the Captain Marvel way as opposed to the way everyone yeah. else has done it, and that really made yeah. me feel great. And it was awesome. But now the flirkin. That was <laughs> something else that was introduced in uh, Kelly's Kelly Sue's run. It's one of those things that I loved. But it was also one of those things that I was a little bummed about, only because in the comics it is Rocket Raccoon. Um, in in the in Deconic's run, mm -hmm. Captain Marvel realizes, okay, I need some space. Literally, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out into space. I'm gonna get some stuff done there. I kind of need a break from Earth. She's dating Rhodey at the time, and she and he's like, yeah, you can have your space. You need it. And she's like, will you watch my cat? And he's like, no. Like, I love you, but I'm not watching. I'm not taking care of your cat. So she has to take her cat with her, who in the comics is named Chewy, which I think is cute. And at first I was annoyed that they changed the cat's mm -hmm. name to Goose because I was like, what's wrong with Chewy? Like, Disney, you, you own Star Wars. Like, there's no, like, what's the copyright issue? But I liked that they went with the name Goose only because it's a Top Gun reference. And I thought, okay, it's one more kind of, mm -hmm. like, Earth-related tie for her because I like that side of her. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so she takes her cat out into space, and she teams up for a while with Rocket to go um, help some people on another planet. And Rocket is immediately like, you get that flicking away from me. Like, I, like he's like pointing a gun <laughs> at the cat. And she's like, you will not point a gun at my cat. Also, please don't fire a gun. We're in a spaceship, you idiot. And, and they very vehemently go back and forth about whether or not this is a cat. Like, 
And honestly, when I was reading this comic for the very first time when it came out, I'm like, what is Rocket's deal? Like, has he never seen a cat? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Like, just just get over it, Rocket. Like, it's a cat. It's like, wh- like what? The most offensive thing it's done is lick its butt in front of you. Like, this is, you know. Mm-hmm. It made more sense in the comic, too, because she found yeah. it in space. So, so it was like, oh, okay. So there it was. But now in this one, I, I, I is there a is there a secret origin of like like how did See, it end up on know. Earth? Like it seems like there's this immensely powerful alien on Earth that they just sort of like went. Um, so, but anyway, of course, in the comics, yeah. it is a flurkin, and just like in the movies, and they give you a little bit more details in the comics, it's an interdimensional being. I mean, like literally, a flurkin like has dimensions mm-hmm. within them. Like they are. So ridiculously powerful. <laughs> Why they look like cats, I don't know. But um, but it does end up being... <laughs> Or why do cats right? look like them? Um, hey, everyone says like aliens built the pyramids and Egyptians worshipped cats. Maybe it's all connected. Oh. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> I was happy that they kept that the same. I didn't think that they would reveal that Goose was a flurkin in this first movie just because... Goose really wasn't Carol's cat in this. Mm-hmm. Right. In in the comic, like, it's her cat. It's her pet. So she has a much, mm-hmm. you know, everybody loves their pets. Like, they're your fur babies. And so um, I liked that they kept that there. <laughs> I also liked the humor that Talos was like, that's a flurkin. Like, keep it away from me. And, you know, you have Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury just like, no, I'm keeping this cat on my lap because mm-hmm. I still don't trust you. And if you're scared of this cat, then it's my new BFF. And it was cute. I just <laughs> wished we'd gotten that reveal with Rocket because it was really funny. And I'd love to hear Bradley Cooper through CGI yell at Brie Larson that her cat is an instrumental being. <laughs> so I feel like I missed that, but I like that they kept it. So uh, as we're talking about uh, some of the other actors then too, let's talk about Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. Um, when Ben Mendelsohn first showed up, like he like they, he's always in, in in all the makeup and stuff too. We didn't know when he when he first turned into a human. Uh, we were I was watching the movie with our mutual friend Kim, and Kim went <laughs> this guy again because <laughs> like we great he's a great actor, but it's like I've you know just having seen him as the bad guy in Rogue One and the bad guy in Ready Player One, then all of a sudden it's like oh another like like really another bad guy role and it turns out oh they were playing right. us all along because <laughs> he's not the typical bad guy he's a very atypical bad guy that what a great twist to to make the scrolls not the super evil awful wahaha villains but actually like people with their own problems that they're trying to get away from this these these warlike Kree. that was such a cool twist that they i put also in. think though and he said like he has that one line where he's like look war is awful and my hands aren't clean either right at the same time it's like the scrolls were enemies in so many of like marvel's space related comic arcs well and then later mm-hmm. in secret invasion that, mm-hmm. But then there are some scrolls that end up being good in some of the comics, and Captain Marvel does help them in some of them. So it wasn't it wasn't one hundred percent out of left field, but it was like mm-hmm. it, it was just also like oh they made the scrolls so cute, and it's like the scrolls were not <laughs> cute, like like they were brutal, like and so it did kind of feel like they just super sanitized it, and I didn't, and this is the like uber nerd in me. The Cree Civil War mm-hmm. was also pretty brutal, and it was yes. it was one of those things that, like, Ronan the Accuser, who we first saw in Guardians of the Galaxy, he really mm-hmm. came out of that as, like, one of the most kind of vile 
characters in a lot of ways because he's one of those where it's like Ooh. oh we have a problem on this planet cool we're just gonna wipe out everything on the planet like collateral damage is not something i care about civilians are not <laughs> something i care about like like wiping out the enemy was his only objective and i kind of thought we would get a little bit a little bit more of that and it it sort of seemed like i felt like it ignored mm-hmm. the Cree civil war and just treated marvell Annette Benning's character because mm-hmm. they made Marvel a woman. Yeah, that was a great stroke of luck. Right? Like she Man. was just some random outlier. Yeah. So there wasn't really divisions in the Cree Empire or in the Cree military. It was just more like, nope, the Cree are all bad and only one of them wanted to be humane. And I was like, that ah, whatever. All right, fine. Let's, <laughs> let's, just, let's just revise comic book history. Fine. Well, I feel like we're sort of coming in after that. Like I, I feel like that stuff could still have happened. Yeah, but happened like just before this, you know, like or like like that uh, that this Marvel was like saw how awful that was and went, oh, I need to do something to to get away from this. And then, you know, came to Earth following the energy and and substitute as as sort of post-war. Right. Uh, This is all this. I'm just retconning. This is my no prize. But um, I have no idea. But that's kind of the impression I get. Like that stuff is still out there because. They they brought Ronan in, and I thought it was going to be a big deal, and it really right. wasn't. He was just a guy. And the same thing, they brought Korath back, and I'm like, oh, we're going to see some origin. Like, uh, and and Korath did get hurt, so maybe that's why he's got the cyber stuff last time. But like, why is Korath then becoming working for Ronan? Why is he go? Why is you know like Ronan just is just basically more of a plot point than a character? Yes. And that was because I mean he, I've I've made fun of him a lot for what they were the little they you know they get a great actor and a great look and they do so little with him in Guardians. And I thought, oh okay, here's a chance to expand and show some of that thing. No, <laughs> no, it really is just an extended cameo. Yeah. So which really yeah, that, I agree that I agree that there's there's that stuff out there is is was a missed opportunity for yeah. them. So and I mean they did fit a lot into the movie, so it's not. I mean unless they wanted mm-hmm. to add at least a half hour to the runtime. I don't think they really could have gotten into it well, but again, as an, as a true. And we do have, we do have 20, 20 missing years. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, and we don't know what happens after. So, I mean, there could be more, they could, if they decide to do, I mean, I, the box office is doing very well as of this recording. So uh, they could very well decide to do uh, Captain Marvel two uh, and then have it be the missing years. Yes. hundred. I mean, if they really wanted to, I don't, think they're gonna do too much to fill in those years like i think they're just gonna have I don't her think so either. show up in endgame and then move mm-hmm. forward with her story from there but they absolutely could i mean i think as of yesterday morning i was looking at the box office numbers and globally captain mm-hmm. marvel is at like 825 million and yeah that's 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 good stuff right there i mean that those are those are blockbuster numbers. Oh, 100%. And it's also one of the... And still going. Well, and you think about all of... How do, how do I want to say this? All the whiny, toxic little fanboys. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't have a better word for it. If you do, please do. <laughs> no, no that's, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, well, yeah. Let me rephrase. I don't have a better word for a PG podcast for it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, who we're saying, we're going to boycott the movie, rah, rah, rah. Like, okay, well, we didn't want you there anyway, so... Right? It's like, okay... Marvel does not, Marvel and Disney don't need your money. Um, I certainly, as a fan of her, don't need your validation. Like, <laughs> go on. I'm going to go watch my movie at least twice in the theater. Like, it's doing, and it's doing great at the box office. And so I think it's one of those things. And here's the thing. She doesn't have to be everybody's 
favorite character. Like some people no. love Captain America, some people love Iron Man. Like it's mm-hmm. so it's she doesn't have to be anybody's favorite. Was the movie one hundred percent perfect without any flaws or any issues? No, no Marvel movie yes. is like, and I say that as a super fan. But some of the hate and some of the trolling before the movie even came out, it's like. How miserable are you that you have to complain about something that hasn't even started yet? Like, how- <laughs> Right. Just the fact that this exists offends me. Oh, 100%. And there were articles that came out both before and after the movie. There was one that literally went on and on about lamenting the fact that, you know, Disney is even making this movie because Disney used to be you know, this wonderful movie studio that showed girls that it was okay to be princesses. And by making this movie, they're doing away with princess culture and they're teaching, you know, boys and men that women can fight their own battles. And what a shame that is because we as men should defend them from anything. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, first of all, like, if a little girl wants to be a princess, but also wants to dress up as Batman, like, Uh go ahead. Like, like what? Like, just because, you know, and, you know, and then there were, you know, whiny fanboys being like, this is the end of an era because they're getting rid of Captain America for her. And it's like, okay, first of all, the Avengers have been interchangeable in the comics for decades. Oh, yes. Like, they've never just been one set of characters that never moved on or did other things. Like, they were very interchangeable, had lots of different characters come in and out. And the other thing, too, is if you like the Captain America movies better, which, fine, if you like Captain America, go for it. Those movies aren't going away. Yeah, you still have them. You can just watch the three on repeat. Yes, so it's not like Captain Marvel comes onto the scene and with a snap of their fingers, Disney <laughs> everything else. Like, it's still there. You can enjoy what you can enjoy. People can enjoy this. And I think it is so important for little girls to see a strong woman. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's... So, some of the fanboy hate, I just couldn't wrap my head around at all. Because it's like, her existence doesn't take away from anything that has come before or anything that'll come after. There's going to be another Black Panther movie. There's going to be another Doctor Strange movie. Like, male superheroes mm-hmm. are not going anywhere. Like, You're not going anywhere. And I, and I have no complaints about those male superhero movies. Like, it, but... Yeah. The- yeah the, so in, on opening weekend, uh, Brie Larson went and worked at a movie theater for a short time. She yeah. was making popcorn. She was just, and then like took. She got a big like a the super deluxe soda with her own picture on it as Captain Marvel, oh. and then went in and, and met the audience. So I saw a fan art of that of her walking down the the hall with the cup, and but the cup was labeled Toxic Fanboy Tears, <laughs> and that's what she's drinking. Fantastic. Um, so what did you, okay, so the 90s, so they set the movie in the 90s. Um, I'm not 100% sure why. Like, I get, I've seen the story now, I've, I've seen it all the way through. I don't know why this story had to be set in the 90s. Did you have any thoughts on that? I think it was, one, just Marvel's way of being like, okay, she existed, but nobody knew about it. And so mm-hmm. they needed it to happen in ways that were like far removed before Iron Man and Captain America got on the scene. I think they could have done it, quote unquote, today, like in present mm-hmm. day, 
I think it still could have worked, except for the fact that, well, pre-snap. I think it would have had to be pre-snap. Pre-snap, yes, absolutely. I think there would have been too much awareness in S.H.I.E.L.D. about alien races, the threat they could pose to Earth, how we work with them, Mm -hmm. that I, I don't think it could have been treated or she could have been treated as something that could have flown under the radar before other people were aware of stuff. I didn't mind that it was set in the 90s. I was like, all right, this is fine. I think it still mattered too, though, because women weren't allowed to fly in combat back then, that it worked for her character, that she still had to kind of push herself into a male-dominated arena. So that still mm-hmm. worked. What do you think she was she was doing for the last um, 20 years? Other than helping scrolls resettle and just saving the day in general, I don't know. Sure. I mean, and I hopefully we'll get a mm. little bit of backstory. It won't just be, "Hey guys, sorry I was busy." I, I don't, don't know. There seems to be a, there's a lot there's a lot of ground to cover in three yeah. hours of of Endgame. I hope that right. <laughs> I hope there's more there's, there's more than just she's you know the uh, that's what I almost wanted to see. And so that was kind of the since we're jumping around in time because that seems to be what the Marvel way is now. We the post credit scene is her arriving, which right. I did not expect at all. I mean, like I, I kind of thought it. Like when when the movie ended the way it did, I was like, "Oh, I, the po- first post credit scene is going to be her arriving on Earth." Yeah. But I didn't know exactly when it would be, and and the fact that it's like right there. So by the time Endgame opens, she's already there. So we won't see her arrive and make a big thing. It'll just it'll be after this, right? And so, so I don't know how that's going to play. I don't either, and I'm curious about stuff. Let me take a tiny bunny trail and then i want to go a little bit back to the 90s but since you've hit on when she gets back okay i'm also one of those people that has been obsessing over black widow's hair in in the trailers and (laughs) right (laughs) the three different hairstyles of black widow yeah three different hairstyles so you have it where it's getting longer but staying blonde and Mm -hmm. then you have it where the natural red is coming through but they're still so it's like all right so we've got a few years like unless you know getting some really sweet extensions and color work (laughs) i really don't feel like black widow has time for yeah and honestly if they put in a beauty salon scene with black widow i will probably throw my soda at the screen that would be so terrible i would be like how dare you like you nailed <laughs> feminism with captain marvel how dare we get a beautiful unseen now but anyway so like time has passed mm-hmm. and and i get that time or will passed. be passing yeah or will be passing but when captain marvel shows up she's still mm-hmm. got that short like bleached blonde color and i'm like wait yes so if- and captain america still has the beard yeah which looks really so it has to be right right after right so it's like so she shows up right right after and then what is just like yeah hey, i'll see you guys in a few years if you figure right. it out like i know when you figure out what you're gonna do yeah, me. meet me again like <laughs> i'll give you a new beeper or maybe we have yeah. galactic cell phones now or, or maybe when maybe when she when she gets in the proximity of the thing it shuts down right uh, i don't know so i mean i'd like to think that maybe at that point she goes and and helps rescue tony stark who's floating in space and if anybody mm-hmm. can do that she could right that, that was what my thought too is but but she doesn't because she's there right and he's still out in space so she doesn't rescue him so i was like oh well that's uh, that was a huge thing that everyone just assumed oh captain marvel just like the guardians run into thor like can probably be flying through like hey 
<laughs> you seem to be stuck. Can I give you a hand? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so look at, so again, she shows up like almost immediately post snap, but then we have no mm-hmm. idea what the Avengers and her do for like two to three years while Black Widow is right. literally growing hair. <laughs> like, I wonder if she's taking like biotin or something because it's yeah. really good. So anyway, so that's, that's my little end game time mm-hmm. bunny, bunny trail there. Um, yeah. I'm curious so, how it's going to play out, but to nineties, I will say mm-hmm. I really, I've been on a nineties kick. Like I've been listening to my nineties <laughs> on Amazon since uh, watching sure. the movie. I forgot how much good music was in the nineties, but, oh, yeah, but I too. also feel like unlike guardians of the galaxy, where I feel like the seventies music fits so, so well, especially because just, Literally, the tone and even the coloring of those movies really fit with that 70s vibe. Yeah, yeah, those crazy album cover sort of and it, idea. It, it worked so, so, so well in Guardians. I have no complaints about the music in Captain Marvel, yeah. but it also just felt like, here's a 90s hit. Here's another 90s hit. Mm-hmm. You remember how yeah. cool Gwen Stefani was? Here's another 90s hit. And, and they were all good songs. I have no complaints about the song. Actually, yes. no, I lied. I have one complaint about one song, and it was, and and in of all scenes, another scene I cried in is the one at the end of the movie mm-hmm. where she's facing mm-hmm. the great intelligence, and there's that mm-hmm. Nirvana song, "Come As You Are," which is like mm-hmm. thematically fits beautifully, and I think it was great mm-hmm. watching her like psychologically fight back and stand up again and we see that through her whole lifetime kind of going back to that deconic quote of she gets back up because f you mm-hmm. like that's who mm-hmm. she is you knock her down she will get back up love the scene however she left earth in 89 and there's no reason <laughs> that song of hers would be in her own brain and like hold meaning to her and it'd be one thing if it just played in the background but the fact that they showed it on a record player and referred to oh yeah. great song nice touch and it's like okay it is a nice touch <laughs> but it's kind of an anachronistic nice touch because you could have put a really cool yeah. 80s ballad about strength Heck, there are songs by heart they could have used right barracuda I... would have been good there yeah. but they've already so, used it of anyway, so it was a good song thematically it totally fit but i i was like i walked out of the theater and i'm like she would not have had that song running through her head. She, she <laughs> left in 89. That song would not matter to her. So, again, that's me being a nitpicky nerd. The scene was a good scene. It's mm-hmm. a good song. I just don't think it would have been in her brain. I'm with you on that. Um, so, so uh, what do you think? What did you think of uh, of young Nick Fury? I, I I was really impressed with the way that Samuel L. Jackson played himself young. Because we know what he was like at that time period. And like, he, he had just a different energy and like, even just moving around, he, he moved so differently than he has yes. as we've seen in the series. I will before. say I felt like, so my expectation though, by the end of the movie is that we would see Nick Fury be like super cynical and tough on stuff. And by the end mm, of the movie, yeah. he was still really optimistic. And I was like, and now I'm like, wait, now I yeah. need one more Nick Fury prequel to find out how he so jaded. And yeah. I'm fine. I know some fans were annoyed that right. he was scratching him was how he lost his eye. And they're like, that's not a very yeah. like, Nick Fury way to lose like 
a vital body part? Like, what? Yeah. Because it also, is it in Civil War? When No, it's Civil War, I think, when he tells Captain America, he tells Steve Rogers, and he's like, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. But there was nothing in this movie that really caused him to lose trust in anybody. And so. Right. Because we, we see him sort of yeah. trusting Coulson right after that. He's sort of like, oh, okay, I guess we're we're on the same page. Like, I, you're, you're somebody that I can trust. It's like, well, then, yeah. didn't so you just I, say I that? I felt like I liked it. I think, he, I think Samuel L. Jackson did a good job. I liked younger Nick Fury. But I also felt like it didn't give us anything of how Nick Fury became how he was. And not that this movie should have been an origin story for Nick Fury. It, it wasn't set up to be that. But I was like, man, True. he's still optimistic. Right. But with all the stuff that he's seen and also the fact mm-hmm. that he no, can no longer trust his eyes. Yeah, I mean, eyes. Not, not, sorry, sorry, eyes, you know what I mean? But scrolls, you know, basically that you like, they can look like other people. Like there, right. there's a great recipe for paranoia right there. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And I even almost felt that way a little bit about Carol Danvers even, just because there are a lot of times in the comics, again, the Avengers being fine with her weird cosmic baby daddy being one of them, where Mm -hmm. either the Avengers or the X-Men or someone else that she's working with kind of end up letting her down. And they're... A, a recurring thing for her is learning to trust and work with others, which I think is also important to her character. Cause I think she shows that we can get in our own way a lot of the time. And she kind of has to move herself out of the way to like work with others a lot in the comics. And I was just like, man, she left ready to work with like anybody very chill, very happy. I mean, <laughs> not happy with the crew, obviously, but I felt like both Captain Marvel and Nick Fury kind of just ended on like a high happy note and i was like okay where do we go from here yeah it's gonna be interesting to see her uh, interface with the avengers because she's not going to be impressed oh yeah <laughs> having worked with the star force and everything and all the things she's seen to be like oh you got a suit of armor great oh turn into big green thing all right cool i know i did really like in the trailer just the shot of her and thor with the hair, and then just like that eye contact and like i like this <laughs> and a little smirk of like, yeah, you're not going to intimidate me. Like, you might be big and tall and you might have powers, but bring it on, bro. Like, Yeah. After this, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to in Avengers Endgame is not how they save and bring everything back and how they save people, but how she interacts with the rest of the group. Yeah. <laughs> Who does she become friends with? Who does she dislike? Like, I, like, like put Carol in the mix and though, <laughs> let's see what happens. Right. And she's definitely someone through the comics, not even... Just looking at the Civil War arc, which other minor bunny trail, I was... Yeah, let, yeah. let's not even talk about Civil War 2. Yeah, no, we're not talking about Civil War 2. We're not talking about that. When Captain America Civil War came out, and there was a report, it was before all of the Spider-Man stuff came through that Sony was going to give Marvel mm. Spider-Man to play with, yeah. there was a report that supposedly we would get a glimpse of another important Avenger popping up in civil war and i'm like oh my god that could be carol danvers like maybe not with yet, but like of all people tony stark could be like hey i know someone who can get us access to a shield base or something you know what i mean like just that right. little, like dropping breadcrumbs to her character and then i was like it was spider-man and i was like oh i'm sorry we've gotten six movies in the last 10 years we don't need <laughs> i love tom holland so by the way i think great job but i was literally like no 
fine. It makes perfectly random sense that Tony Stark knows this random New York kid with secret powers. Sure, that's logical. Why would he know, Why would he know someone at a NASA or a Shield or an Air Force base considering he was part of the military-industrial complex for a decade? Yeah, no. Wouldn't make sense for him to know Carol Danvers. <laughs> so we're coming down to the end of our time here. Uh, do you have any uh, any final thoughts or anything that we uh, we didn't get to that you wanted to get to? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think we've kind of hit everything. I think we've covered pretty much everything, yeah. Pretty much let me ramble. I think, oh, what's interesting <laughs> about Civil War is Carol Danvers can be very, very brash and she can be very assertive with mm-hmm are things I like, but I think that those are some of the things that we're going to see. Maybe she does rub some of the Avengers the wrong way. And I think, well, I can't wait. Right. And I think, I think we are going to see those occasions where she has to basically play nice and get along for the greater good, which isn't always her. Like that's not her biggest superpower on her resume is getting along with others. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say that was, would be one of her Marvel feet of clay. Yeah. So I think that'll be very interesting to see. I don't think, as much as I love her character, that it's just going to be like, blam, she shows up and photon blasts and punches Thanos and mm-hmm. everybody wins. Like, I <laughs> and, I, and I hope it isn't that. Like, I even though she's my favorite superhero, I hope that it is a team effort and that they do, even with the haters and the trolls and the whiny mm-hmm. boys, I hope that they do a good job of, even with some conflict, moving her into the greater MCU so that more and more people see what she can do as an Avenger instead of just on her own. And that's what I'm looking forward to and hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel, I feel the same way I did at the end of uh, Captain America first Avenger. Like, all right, so we've seen them by themselves and their story and sort of what they're about. Now let's see how they play well with yeah. others. So it'll so, be good. All right. Well, there you go. Thanks. So thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. Sh- yeah, Shannon. Thanks for having me. I knew that I knew that I could just turn you loose and I could just sit back. So uh, you want to give any plugs uh, where people can find you online if you wish to be found? Um, you can find me uh, on my blog, nerdextra.com. I'm also on Twitter, at nerdextra. Um, if you want more details about Carolyn's uh, origin story, both on my blog and on YouTube, I did a talk last year. It was a public speaking event, and I was literally – given five minutes and a PowerPoint to talk about Captain Marvel and why she's my favorite superhero. So if you ever find yourself wanting more details and don't want to have to read the comics, uh, I spend five minutes telling you why she's awesome. So that's on the blog and on YouTube. It was an uh, Ignite Phoenix event. So you can find it that way. And Ignite Phoenix is really cool because they get speakers from all over the Phoenix area talking about things, literally just things that they love and are passionate about. So even though I'm not involved with the organization other than just they had me speak for them, there are actually a lot of really great talks. So Mm -hmm. I recommend people just check it out. Yeah, they're very, very cool. So, all right. So thank you for listening to The Road to Infinity. This has been our discussion of Captain Marvel. Uh, We will be back, I think, uh, we're back actually to talk about Endgame. But I think before that, we're going to try and sneak in a, a... supposition spoiler special thing of sort of what we what we've learned what we know uh before we uh move on to the the final end game uh so thank you all for listening uh thank you to engineer alice for making us sound great uh all the mistakes come from me all the professionalism comes from her uh thank you again for shangeli for uh, sitting in with us and talking about captain marvel uh and we will see you further on up the road
You've been listening to a Legible Scrawl audio production. Find out more about us at our website, legiblescrawl.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Legible Scrawl or find us on Facebook. The music you're listening to is Zazzy by Kevin McLeod. You can find out more about him at incompetech.com. And as always, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>